what would our conversation be? He didn't say, what would you ask him? He said, what would the conversation be? I had a picture of the Lion of Judah and the Cub of Judah, me, walking in a field. And you've all seen big cats and little cats play. And I play with my dad. I play every day. Some days it gets really tough and I just lie down and I let him play all around me. But the conversation's not about what he can do for me. It's about what I can do in him. It's about how I can become what he wants me to become. That picture of the Lion King where the, where the cub tries to roar and Dad stands in the doorway of the cave and roars behind him. It says we have within us the greatness and the fullness and the completeness of who God is in us. And this morning, this is a time where we're supposed to remember who's in us. We remember the sacrifice that he gave for us, that he... How's it go, Ben? When only love will do. When only love could break these chains, you gave your life in a beautiful exchange. You know, Second Chronicles 5, 8 and every verse of Psalm 136 says, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. It doesn't say we've got to endure anything. It's his mercy endures forever in us, for he lives in us. He gave his life as a beautiful exchange. An exchange for what? An exchange for that beauty that lives within you, the love that lives within you. Mel describes it really well every time you talk with her. Whenever you speak with our Pastor Mel, you get the same story, you get the same goodness, you get the same boldness and greatness. She tells you, she tells me how wonderful I am. And the whole time I'm listening with her, the whole time I'm with you, Mel, all I can see is the greatness of God in you and the fullness of his abounding beauty in you. You lead us. Because you show us what he's put into others. You show us what he put into you. This morning, develop that little bit, that little fire, that little flame that's in you. Let it develop in you and become the greatness of the God who loves you, in you. This morning, Father, we thank you this morning for your fullness in us. Not half a God, not a little bit, not a drop the fullness of you in us. For you gave your life in a beautiful exchange. And you got me. All of me. This morning we take this biscuit that represents your broken body and we take this cup that represents the blood that was so freely shed for us. And we declare that I am yours, Lord, and you are mine. And we thank you. Let's take and drink together and remember the God who loves you. Jesus.
If, uh, if you're new in this place, just park your cups to the end of the aisle and our, our lovely servers will pick them up from you. And um, my very dear friend Ross is a bit unwell this morning. So in his place, I'm going to um, suggest that uh, in that same place that we've just sat, in that acceptance of the God who loves us, in the acceptance of that I want to be more like you. I want to be in that place, Lord, where you've drawn me to, that place of being more open and more full and more complete in you. Lord, that I would be more like you. More and more and more like you. Now, ushers are now going to come and take up an offering, an offering that comes out of our hearts. If you're a member in this house, if you, can, if you call this place home, you'll be ready. You'll have brought your wallet with you, you'll have brought your money, your envelope, whatever it is. But if you're just visiting and you've got a home, this isn't a place for you to put money in the bag. It's not. This is a place for you to just sit and be welcomed. And this morning we thank every one of you for your offering. Your offering of love to the one who loves us. We claim it, we declare it in Jesus' mighty name. And now we introduce the very lovely. Very lovely. Pastor Andrew. Thank you. The very lovely. Almost stayed seated. Thank you. Why don't we put our hands together for Ollie, who's been playing so diligently. (laughs) The very lovely. I've never been called that before. Might change my Facebook profile to the very lovely. (laughs) Oh, how are we all? Cool. We should pray. Um... I'll, I'll share a, a moment that I had this morning and then we'll pray. I rolled up to church and I do what I normally do. I, I uh, have a little bit of OCD and obsessive chair disorder and uh, I have to start fixing all the chairs. I just have to. Every row, every chair, it's got to be fixed. The space has to be right. They need to be lined up and straight. The spaces between the rows need to be the same. I just, just what I do, you know, and as I go past, I pray for particular chairs you probably should sit in different seats because I get to particular chairs and sometimes I pray a bit harder so anyway so you know I I I was just doing that and I just I got over there to that 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 corner over there and the guys were playing that last song that we sang the one about you know holy are you lord holy is your name and and I just God just the word the only word I can come up with is sounds like a breakfast uh, he smashed me, you know, he gets smashed avocado now. God just, just fell in such heaviness that I, I, I actually went to keep going because I had tears just started. It was, it was unreal. And I went to keep going. I couldn't. I just had to sit. And, and as I sit, then I had to slouch forward. It was just this beautiful presence of God. And again, the Holy Spirit's always at work. And I know we experience this over our life regardless of the church that you go to where there's just this thread that runs through but the words of that particular song were legitimately a a, a prophetic decree over our house for the stuff that I want to speak about today and as they were singing it I just had a moment with God you know so I share all that to say are you ready and have you got your heart open to have a moment with God because father wants to have a moment with you yeah he just does It's not about just coming to church. You can go to any church. You can count the bricks at any church, unless they've plastered them, and then you're looking for cobwebs. You can do that at any church. But to have an encounter and experience with him that's alive, yeah? It's alive because he's a living God. He's not a a dead God. He's not just a memory. He's an alive God. Sometimes we have to position ourselves for that, amen? So I want to pray into that because as God, for lack of a better word, smashed me, my prayer and desire is that he <laughs> smashes you, that his presence just falls in such heaviness that you have an encounter with him. Yeah? One that you can share, a tangible one. Yeah? One that you share it with your kids and your grandkids and your neighbours and your 
your husbands and your wives and about this, this, this encounter. So, Father, we just pray that you would have your way today. Holy Spirit, I ask you to move freely, freely through the workers in kids' church, Father, whether they be in Shine or Little Stars, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would move freely throughout the seats, Lord, to every person that's seated, Father, in this place, that's within the building. Lord, we just ask that you would have your way, that there would be a holy anointing, a, an unction of your spirit that moves with such power and might that, Father, that we would be called <laughs> to, to fall to our knees and to declare and decree, holy is your name. You know, you are just holy. And with everything that we've got, Lord, we just give it to you. I don't know if there's any other answer, any other conversation that, that can be had when we're in the presence of an almighty, holy, living God. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have just to get together freely today. And we ask you, Father, that you might move in your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 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 and amen. I just want to start by saying, if you weren't here last week, um, I, I suggest, I, I don't do this often, I do that every once in a while, but I'm just getting some water. I just suggest that you get a copy of the sermon. Um, God led me to talk about wonder, not losing the wonder, and he continues to press on that. But it was in and, in and amongst what God was saying to me that he, uh, he drew my attention, our attention, to, to who he is and what he is. Um, last week we were talking about, you know, when we, we talk about this Jesus that intercedes for us and that, that the fullness of the living God is, is within us because of our belief in Jesus through the Holy Spirit and that we're seated with him in heavenly places. But when we picture that, what we were talking about last week was do we picture the Jesus that was heading to the cross? There's nothing wrong with that Jesus. Still God-man, yeah? <laughs> nothing wrong with him at all. Do we picture that Jesus? Or do we actually picture the Jesus that ascended and was glorified, that rose from the dead? It's a different picture. So we have to keep in line all the scriptures, particularly the ones that say that he'll do even more than what we can ask, dream or imagine. Yeah. So what are we dreaming of? What, what is the Jesus that we're being transformed with ever-increasing glory into his likeness? Is it the Jesus heading to the cross? Or is it the Jesus that's now been glorified and ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father who we now sit with? Yeah, um, It's really important to grab that picture. So I really enjoyed what God was teaching me uh, and what he was teaching us last week. So it's, it's worth having a, a listen to. And I'm going to read one of the main passages of Scripture that I read last week because it, 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 it flows really nicely into what God wants to do and what, what he wants to talk to us about today. We looked at John's revelation of Jesus in, um, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, verse 13. And it reads, And standing in the middle of the lampstand was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And, and I really like verse 17 because this is where John, John who walked with Jesus, who, who rested against his chest, the one who he himself tells us that Jesus loved him, says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. You know, he got this picture of God that wowed him. You know, he was just in awe, in reverence, in wonder. And it goes on to say, but he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, I'm the first and the last. I, I just think it's a brilliant picture of Jesus because that's the Jesus that intercedes for us. Yeah? That's the Jesus that, that I believe we should be picturing. And the truth and reality, and that truth and reality, really, that has me going, wow. I, I want more of that. I want, I want my mind to be so renewed that that's what I picture and see. You know, um, as much as I love the Jesus heading to the cross, I know that Jesus, in his humanity, the God-man, there were areas where you know, he suffered temptation as we suffered. That's the brilliance of it all, yet he overcame. I want to picture the Jesus that overcame all that and lives on this side of the fence. You know? I just think it changes the way that I, th I think because we're being transformed into that likeness. We share in that same death and resurrection in our baptism, yeah? So it's important that we grab hold of that. And so as I was thinking about all that stuff that's just wowing me, for lack of a better word again, I, I, I was reading and I was led to Isaiah. 
So Isaiah 61. So we'll, we'll add to this and we'll see what God does today. Anyway, Isaiah, 60, uh, Isaiah 6, verse 1, sorry. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Most of you are unaware, but for the small group of us that were praying this morning, Stephen had a picture that was really similar to this, you know, about us worshipping in the throne room of God, you know. Um, I had a sense of God being so present that we're uncomfortable. Trevor had a picture that added to that again. You know, it's really, I, I do love the way God just ties things together. So in the, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. This is almost like John, isn't it? John says, I fell to my knees as if I were dead. Here Isaiah gets this picture of the presence and glory of God, and he goes, woe to me. You know, really, I reckon he would have fallen to his knees. (laughs) I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. I I really love this scripture, and what I loved when I was reading it during the week was this, again, this sense of awe this sense of amazement at, at and in the presence of the king. You know, this picture, he, he steps into the temple, you know, really, figuratively speaking, as he always has. And as he does that, all of a sudden, he's made aware of the presence of God. Yeah? So you can imagine coming to church and you just walk in as you have every other Sunday. Every other Sunday of the last 15 years, 80 years, 10 years, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden... It's just so glaringly obvious and you're made, made aware of the king, of his presence, of his majesty, of his glory. Yeah? It's one of those moments where it's like, oh my goodness, wow. And remembering that God is so holy, yeah? God is so holy that in his presence we can't help but think, wow, woe is me. You know? He's holy. That's why with John and even with Isaiah, Isaiah, they come they take, and they take the coal on his lips and says, son, you're okay, you're made clean. With John, he puts his hand on him and says, it's okay on the first and the last because in the presence of a holy God, that's just a natural reaction. But because he's a loving father, he comes and he touches us and he does these things. You know? I love these pictures because sometimes we forget them in the struggle of life every day, yeah? in the business of life every day. You know, Isaiah is reminding people about all their sin. Good on you, buddy. Sounds like the church today, doesn't it? Reminding people of all their sin. You know, it's just not not supposed to be who we are. It's just not. It's not. God has given people free will. They have a choice. Their choice, right or wrong, does not negate the consequence. It's not for us to dictate their choice. It's for us to love them, yeah? And you've got Isaiah telling people about all their sin. And as he enters the temple, he becomes aware of the presence, the holy presence of God. And as he sees the brilliance of God, the majesty of the Father, he's reminded of his own sinfulness. Yeah. You know, these two passages of Scripture, I, I believe, are to remind us that we're never to lose our wonder. We're just never to lose our wonder. How can we lose our wonder when we have a picture that John shares in Revelation and when we've got... This picture that Isaiah has where it says he sees the king on his throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. You've got to think about it for a minute. The train of his robe filled the temple. That means wherever you go to step, you're going to step on his robe. Yeah? Wherever you go, you're in a place where you're going to be able to trip over the glory of God, so to speak. Because the train of his robe filled the entire temple. There's no getting away from it. It's just, it's there. I can't even stand in a place where it's not because the train of his robe filled the temple. Yeah? That's an awesome picture. 
So when we're sitting there in church, any church, any place, and we're, I don't know, we're playing Snake. Remember Snake on your old Nokia phones? Yeah? Or you're doing, so, you're Facebooking, or you're social mediaing, or you're just in another planet. You're pr- probably standing on the glory of God anyway, because he's everywhere. Sometimes, like Isaiah, we just need to be made aware of it, yeah? Because then it changes the whole, our whole perspective on what's happening, yeah? I, I love these two passages of Scripture because it reminds us that God, God's exalted. It reminds us, us, reminds us that he has ascended. It reminds us that he's holy. It reminds, of us, reminds us of his majesty it 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 just reminds us that our god is glorious yeah he's like he's glorious he's not the figure on the cross that was broken bleeding though that's a a picture of god in a moment of time but in eternity that's not the picture yeah in eternity it's the glorious one the majestic one and, and I'm, sharing, I'm sharing about all this, and I don't want people to think that in talking about who God is and his holiness and his majesty and the train of his robe, but I want you to think that we're, we're chasing the, the miracle rather than the miracle worker. We're chasing the things of God. I, I want to bring a picture about that this is actually Papa. This is God. You, you, you can't, you and I, we can't have an experience and encounter with Daddy without wonder, without, whoa, you, you can't. Um, it, it's part of who he is. You can't remove the majesty of God from him so that you can have a nice, clean picture of, of Jesus. You, just, you can't. It, it's intertwined into his character. Yeah, His holiness, his glory, his majesty. It's, it's who he is. So when you stop to pray and you, you're spending time with the Father, you, you, can't, you can't remove... The stuff that makes you go, wow, you can't remove that because it's, it's with him. It goes with him. It comes with him. It's who he is. He's, he's God. He doesn't stop being God so that we can be comfortable and, and have our little times with him and walk away. We can have our little times with him and walk away, but we walk away. We should be walking away going, oh, my goodness. The train of his road filled the tent. I was praying in my bedroom and God was just there. And I tripped over his glory. And I had an encounter with the living God, not a boring half an hour, an hour, five minutes with a dead one. Yeah? You can't separate God from his presence. It's not about chasing something that is extra and doesn't exist. Yeah? It's it's him. If God is there, his presence is there. Yeah? So we, we talk about God and his presence and wanting to fill the temple with his presence. We're chasing after Father God, yeah? Because you cannot separate one from the other. You just can't. I don't want to lead or speak to or, or be a part of a really boring dead church. I just don't want that. There's thousands all over the world. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying there's always more. There's more, there's more, there's more. In God's presence, there's more. With God, when he's present, his presence is there. That's why healing happens, yeah? That's why breakthrough happens. That's why chains fall away, because his presence are present with him, yeah? Think about it. It's God, the creator of heaven and earth. He's all power. He's all might. He's holy. In fact, he's like dynamite. I imagine that's why John fell to his knees. I wonder, I imagine that's why Isaiah had that moment because when you're around a holy God, man, he's so powerful that it's like a stick of dynamite that's alight. Is this thing going to blow up? The beauty is that he loves us and he bestows upon us and pours out, you know, and if he blows up, he blows up because he's just pouring more blessing on us, you know, not not to, to do away with us. There's some significant awe and wonder right there. And in all of that awe and wonder, then he says, oh, by the way, I call, I'm your father and I love you. You know, like, we, we have to, we've we got to understand who it is that we are following, who it is that we're giving our hearts to, who it is that we, that we exalt, who it is that we, that we say that we love. Because this is the one that loves us. 
And I'm selfish. I want more of that. Look, I just want more. I want more of that. Can't have more of God. You already have God. Well, that's good. Well, I look at it like this. God has no beginning and he has no end. And I have the fullness of that God living inside of me. Now, I'm only ever going to understand what I understand until someone brings revelation and I understand some more. And all of a sudden, I think I've got more of God. It's always there, but I want more. I want more understanding. I want him to stretch the tent pegs of my heart so that I can encompass, embrace and understand more. I'm selfish. I want more of him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I want more of the Father, more of, more of our glorious God. I want more wow. You know, I want to be able to share the picture of my God with someone and they look at me and go, wow, that's awesome. You're a freak. I want that. You know that commercial, the shampoo commercial? I'll have what she's having. I want to be able to sit there in a cafe sharing about my wonderful God and someone says, I want what you got. No problem. I'm hungry for more of that. I, I want to walk into his temple and be aware of his presence. I want to have a revelation like, like John's. I want to be able to say that we were there and we were praying and he was seated on his throne and the train of his rope filled the temple. You could just tell, yeah? I'm hungry for more of him. I'm hungry for more of his presence. I'm hungry to be more aware of Papa. I'm hungry for that. And the truth is, Trev prayed this morning just here. It's really funny. He was going that we might see and experience and encounter. And it's so true because we have to see and taste and experience yeah, the wonder of Papa. We need to get hungry as a people, I reckon. Yeah? Hungry is a terrible word. Once you start spelling it a little while, you realise it just looks weird on paper. It really does. It just it looks so strange. It's a, hunger looks okay, but hungry just doesn't look right. Trust me on that one. <laughs> so my question is, how hungry are you? How, how hungry are we? Like, how hungry are you? Think about that question just for a minute. Just, just ponder it. Just in your seats. Just think about it. When it comes to God, God, Father, not the things of God, how hungry are you? For him. See, if we're hungry, normal hungry, and we taste and experience something that's really nice, something that's outstanding, our hunger for that grows. Once you give a child a French fry from McDonald's, you have now burdened yourself until they're married. Because whenever they go past the Golden Arches, they want to go to Macca's. They've got the taste of something that, as far as they're concerned, is off the planet. It tastes like nothing mum cooks, doesn't get close to what dad does. Not even nonna at home gets close to this. I want that. Can we go to Macca's? But you just ate, but can we go to Macca's? When, you're, when you've tasted something that's good, you want more of it. You just do. And natural hunger, yeah, natural hunger is just, it's an expression, yeah, within ourselves, our basic human desire and need for food. That's cool, isn't it? Some of us look like we're hungrier than others. <laughs> I don't know why you laugh then. Now, I've noticed, I've noticed because our two boys have been unwell of late, yeah, They've still gone off today to play football if they play because it doesn't matter that they've got a fever. It doesn't matter that you're throwing up. You have to play football. Like, you just have to. This is my life. Yeah? They've been sick. So even last night, we're having dinner. Mel's made this awesome chicken and sweet corn soup. Yeah? She's actually got really good. It used to be really... But just over the last, you know, couple of months, you've nailed it, hun. Like, you're just so... like. What Trevor saw is just true. Your cooking has come to a whole nother level. This is going to get me into so much trouble. <laughs> but, so we're, we're, there, we're there eating the chicken and sweet corn soup, and the bowls aren't big, 
Samuel's got about a third of the way down, and he goes, I'm full. What do you mean you're full? He goes, I've had enough. But you've hardly eaten anything. These are the words that come out of his mouth. I think it's because I'm sick. I think it's because I'm sick, I'm not hungry. Now, reality, I just know reality. When you're sick, you don't want to eat. You know, you just don't. You're sick. Don't give me food. I feel like I'm going to... I may be an exception to that rule. But I could see the way that I could just see I could just see the way my wife was looking at me. But <laughs> you, you know that whole thing, you know, um, you know, uh, starve a bug, drown a cold, or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm like, starve a bug, I'm going to feed it to death. <laughs> anyway, normally for normal people. When you're sick, you don't want to eat. It, it, and you know someone's unwell when they go off their food, you know, when they're, they're just like, no thanks, you know. Particularly with our boys, we know that they're unwell when they, don't, when they don't want to eat. Now, here's my big suggestion for the day, that I think it's the same spiritually. See, for all of us, every Christian that's alive and breathing, every Christian that's alive and breathing, to hunger and thirst for God, that's at the core of our being. That's how he created us. That's how, how he made us. We cannot and do not function without him. The reason the world is in the place that it's at is because it's trying to do everything without him. Yeah? Won't work. Doesn't work. You need petrol for a car to move. No petrol, no moving. We're trying to come up with the petrol of our lives, hoping that we will continue to live life the way God had intended. It's not going to work. We need him. Yeah. So... It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's core within us, this hunger and thirst. It was the way that God made us. So when there's no hunger for him, hear me, yeah? This is a challenge for us. When there's no hunger for him, no hunger for his presence, yeah? It shows us that there's something wrong spiritually. It just shows us. The same old, same old isn't the same old, same old. The same old, same old is saying there's something wrong spiritually, Yeah? So go with me here. If hunger is the gnawing ache on the inside of us, that sense of need that, that's not content until it's filled, right? Um, in fact, you, uh, hunger's, hunger's alive, hunger's active, because when you're hungry, you, you, you actually do, you, we do something about it, don't we? We get up, we go, we get food, we do what we have to do. H hunger is active. Hunger's actually active. So think about that just for a moment, because when, when we're hungry, we go looking for something that's going to fulfill that desire. She's thinking, he gets up about 20 times in five minutes. I hope that's what she's thinking. Anyway. So if that's true, Mel, <laughs> how hungry are you? Like, when it comes to God, how, how hungry are we? So I believe that, that Father God has prepared a banquet for us, a feast of him, a feast, a feast of his presence. But we won't have the appetite for it if we're satisfied on other stuff, Yeah. Who remembers the old song? You know, do you remember the song, um, His Banner Over Me, His Love? Do you remember one of, the, one of the verses? I won't sing it. Some of you probably could. But he brought me into his banqueting table. You know, and we used to have actions. Brought me into his ban you know, banqueting table. Yeah, you remember the old camp song, And His Banner Over Me, His Love. Who, like, some of you are thinking, oh, you grew up in that. Sorry. You know? <laughs> He wants us to feast on him, to fill up on his presence. And, and, and please, 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 please understand that, that, that his presence is him. It's not an addition. I'm not going for something extra. I'm not saying put God there and chase his presence. Where he comes, where he is, so is his presence. It cannot be separated, yeah? So when we're talking about a spiritual hunger, a hunger for God, what we're talking about is a, longer to, a longing to encounter him, to be with him, to be filled by him, to be filled by his Holy Spirit. That's what a hunger of God looks like. And, and I want to go this far. As a prophetic people, we need to hunger and thirst for God because we are a prophetic people, each and every one of us. Being a prophetic people, a prophetic community, is not just left for prophets and apostles. It's for each and every one of us because yeah, uh, the prophetic people... A prophet is a sent one. And what does Jesus say? Father, as you have sent me, I am sending. Yep. So we are the sent ones. We are a prophetic community. Yeah, the church is a prophetic voice. And we, we should be hungry for God and his presence. 
And in fact, we should be so hungry that we will do whatever it takes to get close to him. You know, that place of intimacy is where we're going to catch his heart. That place of intimacy, like, like John, is where we're going to receive that revelation. You know, Moses was like that. Exodus 33, 15 and 18. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Yeah? That statement alone is saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. God, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Show me your glory. You know, he was hungry for the presence. The New Living Translation actually puts it this way, that Moses said, then show me your glorious presence. Yeah? I love it. He's so hungry for God. He's saying, now, show me, God, your glorious presence. And what's brilliant about this encounter with, with God and Moses, yeah, is this longing that Moses had. Because he, he's saying to God, listen, you can send us anywhere you like, but God, if you're not coming... If you and your if your presence, if you, if you don't come with us, we're not going. I'm God, I told you to go. It's like when you speak to the kids, go. Go. Can you please go? Will you come with me? Seriously, you just have to go to bed. Will you put me to bed? Okay, and off you go. You know, like maybe that's just our household. But Moses was saying that's the same thing. Yeah? Moses is saying, God, I'll go, but if you're not coming, I'm not going. God could have said to him, Moses, I'm God, now go. Moses said, I don't care. If I know that if you're, I don't see you going, I'm not going. If your presence isn't there, I'm not going there either. I'm, I only want to be where your presence is. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. That's what Moses is saying. He was hungry for the Father, hungry for his presence. He desired it. He wanted it, yeah? He was hungry for the... And the train of his robe filled the temple. He was hungry for the... And his hair was as white as snow, yeah? And his voice was like a mighty ocean. He was hungry for that. Well, even in the Psalm 42, the psalmist writes about hunger. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. You know, that type of desire that the psalmist is writing about is the type that every one of us should have. Every Christian alive should have, yeah? It's not something unusual, it's not something that's reserved just for the freaky worshippers or the pastors or those that sit on the green seats in the big churches. It's every one of us. Every one of us should be this hungry. And it should be the normal state of every Christian to be hungry and thirsty for God. You know, I love the fact that Papa even tells us that he's going to satisfy that. Psalm 107 verse 5 to 9 says, They were hungry and thirsty and their lives ebbed away. That's how it can feel sometimes. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for this unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. I love it. He promises to fill you. All you need is to be hungry. So if you're not filled, it's not God's fault. Hear me. If you're not filled, if there's an emptiness, it's not because God hasn't filled you, hasn't satisfied your hunger and thirst. They were hungry and thirsty, so God satisfied them. If you're not satisfied, maybe, just maybe, I'm just putting it out there, yeah? Maybe we're not hungry and thirsty. And that's why we're not satisfied. You know, listen to this. I love this. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. You're going to love this, yeah? Because I love the poetry. I slept, but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking and calling. Open to me, my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. Catch verse 3, but I responded, I've taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I've, I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? See, her lover 
is knocking on her door. Yeah? But she resists getting up. She's saying, I'm already dressed. I've already taken my clothes off. I've already put my PJs on. Yeah? If it was my wife, I've already got my PJs on. I can't go to the supermarket. You have to go. You know, it's like, I've already disrobed. I'm here. I've actually, I've already showered and my feet are clean. You want me to get up and dirty them for you? Like she has this moment where it's like, I'm not getting up. I am comfortable. Yeah? She's enjoying kicking back. She's happy. She's content. She's got a beautiful mattress. Blankets are warm. Now, you need to catch this part. See, in that moment, her comfort is more important than her relationship. In that moment, her comfort is more important than her relationship. See, if you read the next few verses, she finally gets up and to open the door, but her beloved, her lover, is actually gone. He's already left. So her hesitancy... Her reluctance, yeah, cost her his presence, yeah? Her hesitancy, her reluctance because of her comfort cost her his presence. Think of it this way. Mel, don't laugh. You're hungry. You're sitting on the couch at home. You're watching your favorite TV show. And you're like, I'm starving hungry. I want to eat something. And so you wait for a commercial because you're not going to miss your show. Hey, it's your favourite show. So you wait for a commercial. But then you start contemplating, will I get up now? Will I get up on the next commercial? What will I have to eat? I'm not, I don't want to... Uh, and by the time you realise too much time has passed, so you don't get up because you don't want to miss your show. Yeah? And so you wait for the next commercial and sometimes the next commercial and sometimes the next commercial. And in fact, um, so that you don't miss any of your favourite show, there's no way you're going to get up at all unless you're really, really hungry or unless you've got a wife that will do it for you. <laughs> so are you getting up? That's awesome. While you're there, can you get this for me? <laughs> My point is that most of us, yeah, unless that hunger yeah, is so, so strong, we will not break our place of comfort. Yeah? I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable watching my favourite show. I'm comfortable on that couch. I'm comfortable on that recliner. I'm comfortable in that bed. I've already disrobed. I've washed my feet. Do I have to get up? But our comfort can cost us his presence. You know, Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We read that, and I know that you know, you, you, know, you, you know the letters to the churches, but often we read that and we think he's talking about the unchurched, unsaved. The Lord, he comes, he knocks on the door. If we'll open the door, he'll come and he'll eat with He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers, yeah? And he's saying, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and opens the door, if anyone will get up from their place of comfort and come to the place that I'm calling them, I will meet with them there and I, you will eat with me and, I will, and all of a sudden we're back to this banquet that he has for us, that he wants us to feast on. See, Jesus' call to intimacy is a challenge to our comfort. To answer he's not, we have to stir ourselves out of that place of comfort, that place of spiritual comfort. And then, then if we do that, then he gives us the promise and I'll come and eat with that person and they're going to eat with me. His invitation is to the Christian who's Hungry. So the Christian who's hungry. So how hungry are we? You know, the problem or the issue for us is when we get hungry, we start to look for something to soothe our hunger. Yeah? <laughs> if we're at work, we might scoot across the road to the supermarket or to the bakery that has lovely hot pastries and, and stuff. You know, we, we go to places to soothe our hunger. Lyndon's looking at me and going, oh, yes, I believe you do, Andrew. If we're at home, we go to the fridge or we go to the pantry. Now, I know not everyone's like me. I look for the easiest thing, yeah? So Mel goes, why don't you make yourself a salad or why don't you cook an egg? Make, cook, chips, open. You know, like, 
Simple, easy. Yeah, I know it's only me and it shows. Yeah, but often when we're, when we're hungry, we, we just start looking for something to soothe our hunger. And we'll look for anything, even if it's not good for us. Now, if we're going to be completely honest and transparent, who's ever done that at home? Come on. I'm hungry. So you get up and you find you come back with a piece of chocolate. Wow. That's really going to satisfy you for the next 30 seconds until the next commercial, until your next child goes into the kitchen and you can ask him to get it for you. Yeah? We even do it with stuff that's not good for us. You know, I want to suggest that the same way that eating junk food through the day kills our physical appetite. It just does, yeah? I see it with our boys all the time. We get to dinner time and Nathan will half eat his food. It's like, why aren't you eating, Nathan? He goes, well, because I ate before. Well, what did you eat? Well, I had this, 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 this. Really? Why did you do that? Mum said I could. It's dinner time now, Nathan. You need to eat. But I'm not hungry. But it's dinner time. But I'm not hungry. So he hasn't, let, he hasn't yet learned the life lesson I've learned. You don't eat because you're hungry. You eat because it's breakfast. You eat because it's lunchtime. You eat because it's dinner time. And when you're hungry, you eat in between. Yeah? It's probably why, yeah? But Nathan's like, no, I've already eaten. And sometimes it's like he grabs an ice cream. It's like... Didn't you already have an ice cream? You can't have another one. You didn't even have your dinner. But mum said. <laughs> we'll even do it with stuff that's not good for us. And like them, Samuel and Nathan, it can cause us to actually pass up a really good meal, a proper meal that's healthy, that's good, that's nutritious even. You know, you and I, we can do the same stuff in the spirit. The stuff, the junk that's not of God in our lives can kill our spiritual appetite because we're supposed to be hungry people. You know, we have to be careful because spiritually speaking, there is a hunger for God that can go unrecognized for what it is. Now, some of you might be thinking that, that Pastor, when I'm hungry for God, I know that I need God. I know that I'm hungry for God. Really? Because go with me here just for a minute. Maybe it's an empty feeling. Maybe it's a sense of longing. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's loneliness even when you're in the midst of people. And so we start looking for ways to make that feeling go away, to fill that place, that emptiness, yeah? And we start looking for the junk food that will cover the, the pains or the pangs of hunger. <laughs> really all they are is an indication that we're hungry, hungry for him. Yeah, because when we're satisfied in Him and with Him, yeah, then we won't have a sense of longing or a sense of loneliness, because He satisfies those that are hungry and thirsty. Yeah, we're wide to be hungry. John Piper has a great quote. He says, "God has filled the human heart with longing, but we know not what what we long for." Until we see the breathtaking God. That's why we need a revelation like John's. That's why we need to have an Isaiah experience. Yeah? This is the cause of universal restlessness. Hence, the famous prayer of St. Augustine. You made us for yourself and our hearts find no peace till they rest in you. This is the way it's supposed to be. We were made for God. Bill Muhlenberg, who often writes a, lot of, a bunch of stuff, some that I love and some that I not so love, but... He writes this, and it's, it is just so on the money. He goes, At the risk of spooking out a few believers here, let me describe a dream I sometimes have. I'm in my very meagre and humble home, but then discover there are other rooms therein, big and amazing rooms, filled with all sorts of treasures. I had no idea such rooms even existed, yet they, they are. They are opulent rooms containing all sorts of magnificent things. Yet there I had lived my whole life, not even being aware that such rooms were in my home. The spiritual truths of such a dream are pretty obvious for me. I live a very half-hearted Christian life. I've settled for mediocrity. I've been content with the mere pittance of what God has in store for me. I've been quite happy to live a spiritual life which is only a fraction of what it's meant to be. I've been satisfied with knowing God just an infinitesimal amount 
when I could know and experience so much more of him. And Satan is more than happy to keep me and us in such a condition. How hungry are we, church? My challenge today is how hungry are we? How hungry are we? You know, are we hungry, hungering and thirsting for more of God, more of Papa, knowing that that brings his presence, hungry for more of his presence, hungry to see the one seated on his throne with a train of his robe fill the temple, hungry to have a, rela- a revelation where, where just his eyes alone were like flames of fire. Are we hungry for that? Or are we satisfied with the, as Bill Muhlenberg puts it, the mere pittance of what God has for us? I want us to stand as I share a couple of things and we'll finish because of the time. And Ollie, can I just have the keys in the background? Would that be okay? You know, the key to you and I being hungry, the key to you and I having this hunger, insatiable hunger, is, is remembering what we're missing. It's remembering what we're missing. Think about it for a moment. Who's ever fasted? Anyone ever fasted for, you know... A half decent period of time. A person who's fasting eventually loses their hunger. Yeah, you got to that point. It's a killer getting there. Yeah, it's good. but eventually you get there and then you're not so hungry anymore. It's unreal. Your hunger just goes. Yeah, it happens when our bodies start to adjust to the lack of food. See, in our relationship with Father God, some of us have been so spiritually famished for so long that we've lost. We've lost the ability to hunger for him. We need to remember what we're missing. We need to remember what we're missing. Helen Calder wrote, I've come to realize that the real tragedy in the church is not spiritual famine. It is famine without hunger, dryness without thirst. We need to recall it, that first love. Remember that first love? David Tenson, when he was with us, spoke so beautifully and said that we need to have those moments where we stop and we close our eyes and we picture that, that encounter, that moment where we remember that we just had this thing with God that was so real and so alive. And, and, and we sense it, we feel it, we smell it. The words that were spoken by him over us and just how we felt in his presence. He goes, we need to remember that picture, that place. Some of you might have many places. Some of you just need to find the one. Because in Revelation, he says, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Man, he loves us and he wants us to be hungry for him. So that we would never lose that wonder, never lose that awe, never lose that amazement. We need to catch it. We need to catch that hunger. We need to spend time with people that are hungry for God. The people that drive you insane. All of us have got those type of people sometimes in our life. We need to spend time with them, not the ones that squash and quelch our faith, the ones that are hungry, because it's contagious. We'll catch it from them. You know, Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We have to do this. This is something that we do. He's given us everything. He will satisfy that hunger. He will satisfy that thirst. We just need to be hungry and thirsty. And I guarantee you, church, if we pursue God, we'll learn that the more we encounter His presence, the more we will hunger for that, for Him. We won't want anything else. You'll close your eyes. My wife will tell you that she's been doing this over and over again of late, and she has this ability of being able to close her eyes and just bringing herself into this place where it's just her and the Father. And she brings all of her problems there. And God downloads revelation there. We've got to be able to do that just to sit with Him. Not asking, just talking. Hungry, 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 hungry. Like Moses, God, I'm not going there unless you're going. 
I'm not praying unless you're going to be there. I'm not going to open up the word unless, God, you start to reveal stuff. God, I want you, not just the words. Because the words don't capture it all. It's not enough paper, the Bible says, to capture all of what the Lord has done. Yeah? And the more hungry you are, you discover no matter, no matter, no matter how much you long for Papa, how much we hunger for him, his hunger for us is even greater. Yeah? When the prodigal was coming back, the prodigal was coming back with his tail between his legs. He was making the journey back. And when the father saw him, he ran. He didn't run because he saw the prodigal running. He ran because he saw the prodigal coming. You can go to God and he will run to you. His hunger for us is far greater than the hunger we'll ever have for him. We just need to get hungry. And I want to finish with this thought. We have to press in to know God, to experience him. I don't know who this is for. It might just be for me, yeah? But it's not enough to have just one touch or just one visitation. That would be like surviving the rest of our lives on just one meal. And I can't live like that. Not in the physical. And I don't want to live like that in the spiritual. So I want to pray that we'll all develop a lifestyle of tasting and seeing that he is good. So that we would never lose our hunger. So wherever you are in the house, for our guests, I hope it's not too intrusive. But I just want you to just hold hands with someone or just place your hand on their shoulder. And we're going to pray together because I believe that this needs to be something that stirs up a hunger from, yes, within us, but within the body, within the family, yeah, within the community of the church. Amen. So, Father, in this place right now, we speak your goodness. Father, we speak, Father, and we declare, and Lord, we tell you that we desire more of you. Father, we desire to come into your presence, into a place, Father, where, Lord, we just, like Isaiah, we have a, a revelation or an awareness that all of a sudden there's the king sitting on his throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Lord, that we would be so in awe of you, that we wouldn't take you for granted, that, Father, we wouldn't fill the hunger that's inside of us with the stuff of life, the business of life, business and work and family, but instead, Lord God, we'll realise that when we're off kilter, when we're not right, it just shows us that we need more of you. And, Father, I want to speak into that place for those that don't have a hunger, Lord, for you, for those that have, have forgotten their first love, Lord God, that right now that you would stir, God, that you would fan into flame, Lord, within them. Lord, that you would give them the picture right now of that touch, that encounter, that first time. Lord, where they experienced your embrace and your love. Lord, that that would never be forgotten again. That that would be the catalyst, the foundation for their tomorrow. Lord, that it would stir up a hunger for more of that, for more of you. Father, we're sorry The Lord, at times, God, we have filled ourselves with things, Lord, that aren't healthy for us, things that have taken the place, God. Lord, we're sorry that sometimes we have been so spiritually famished, Lord God, that we've forgotten what it's like to be hungry. But Lord God, bring that hunger to life today. Lord, just start it within one. Lord, it's contagious. Lord, that it would go to two. Father, it's contagious that it would go to three. That, Father, that we would have a body of people that, are, that so desire you that wherever they go, Lord God, the train of your robe would fill the temple. Because where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst. Father, make it a reality. Don't just make it words on a piece of paper, Lord God. But, Lord, may the inspired word of God that became the written word of God, may it be the living word of God in our lives. So we thank you, Jesus. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to seal every word that's been spoken, every prayer that's been prayed, every desire in every individual man, woman, or child in this place today. That, Lord, we would be transformed into your likeness with ever-increasing glory from strength to strength and glory to glory. 
Father, may we be a barometer even for our community. Father, may this fire, this hunger be so contagious that it'll jump across denominations, Lord God. It'll jump across church names. It'll jump across suburbs and postcodes, Father, and it will set our community and our country alight for you. We thank you. We thank you for being with us today. We thank you for going with us today. We thank you for loving us today. And we give you all the glory and we give you all the honour. And all his children said, Amen. Amen. Church, let's be hungry in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, God.